Welcome to the APM podcast. APM is the chartered body for the project profession. My name is Emma DeVita and I'm the editor of Project, APM's quarterly journal and your host. In this podcast, I'm speaking with Peter Simon, a director at Lucidus Consulting and a member of the APM Risk SIG Committee. He is co-author with Alexander Verbrook, Marianne Bosch-Reichfeldt, both of the Technical University of Delft and Sarah Rye of the University of Bradford, of a new report to be published by APM in the autumn. This groundbreaking research looks into opportunity management as part of the overall project risk management process. The findings of the research and survey revealed a number of notable areas where what is defined in the standards and written in textbooks do not in fact match what's happening. Put quite simply, few organisations do it, some have tried and failed, while others don't believe in it. Listen on for Peter's expert consideration and advice. Welcome, Peter. Thanks for joining us today at the APM podcast. Why don't we start at the beginning? How would you define risk management? Risk management is the management of those things that might happen, that if they did, would impact the objectives of the project. It could be more than just objectives. We talk about time, cost and quality. It could be the benefits. Some might say the outputs and the outcomes and the benefits. And I would say there also that it might, it's things that might happen by chance. We might come on to that later on. So it's things that could just happen, but it's a management of those. Where does the opportunity and threat of risk fit within this? And how would you define those concepts? In 1996, the PMI redefined the term risk to be something that if it happened, could have a positive or negative impact on the project's objectives. And likewise, APM followed, I think, in 1997. So the concept there is that things might happen, but they could either have a beneficial impact on your project, which is an opportunity, or they could have a negative impact on your project, which would be a threat. Unfortunately, a lot of people don't recognise that because risk to many people is a purely negative term. So risk management or opportunity management is the management of the good things that might happen. And threat management, both as subsets of risk management, is the management of the negative things that might happen. Why was it redefined in the 90s? You know, I tried to look at this. I actually started some research and I couldn't find an answer except a lot of it led down, you might have heard of a technique called SWOT, Strengths, Weaknesses, Opportunities and Threats. So that's where my research found the terms came from, opportunity and threat out of there. But there's also recognition that sometimes, if you like, things might take longer to to happen and they might be shorter. Things might cost more, they might cost less. And if we only only ever focus on the bad things that might happen, then we don't get the chance to improve anything. And if you're only really managing the bad things that happen might happen on a project, then your project will at best be on time, but inevitably, because you're not you'd have to be the luckiest person in the world for none of the bad things that might happen to happen, your project's going to be late. But if you manage the good things that might happen, then it's like a counterbalance it will pull the project back or make it better in some way. So that's where the ideal came came from. Let's look at the good things as well. 
Well, I mean, we're talking about this right now, that the, the language around opportunity and threat and risk and risk management because of the work you've been involved with recently, which will be published by APM in the autumn, I think. Do you, do you want to give us a bit of background on that or a little kind of overview about the survey and the research and, and what that threw up? So um, I've been working in and around risk management for a very long time, probably 40 years. What, what I see and what I've observed um, in my many years as a practitioner is that even though we talk about risk being threat and opportunity, having the positive and negative side, most organisations I come across don't do it. Some don't even attempt to do it, and some claim to do it but don't really do it. But I still think there is value at looking at good things that might happen, and there are other ways of doing it. So within the, the research team, so half of it really was the APM RISC-SIG with Sarah and myself, and then we had some friends of mine, colleagues from TU Delft in the Netherlands, Alexander and Marion, and we worked out some hypotheses around that to test whether organisations really did take risk to be threat and opportunity, and if they did, did they perform it? As part of that study, and I won't go into any of the details of the findings, what we found was certainly the majority, and I mean that as more than 51%, and it's probably more than that, do attempt to do threat and opportunity management, but they don't call it threat and opportunity management. They call it risk and opportunity management, which is which is appears to be the most understood terminology. And also, when it comes to opportunity management, I sort of added into an earlier definition that uh, a risk is something that might happen by chance. It, it means that if you don't even influence it in any way, it could happen. It's like saying, um, you know, if you it, it might rain in the next ten days. It's a chance it will. Actually, we can't prevent it from raining, but we could put an umbrella up to stop it having an effect on us, but we can't stop it raining. It can happen by chance. So when it comes to thinking about threats, we do tend to think of the things that happen could happen purely by chance. But one of the problems with opportunity management is that a lot of the things that I see described as opportunities are not things that will happen purely by chance. They are choices we call them so try not to think of anything too technical here but there might be something we might be able to use a different material which would save us money now, that material isn't just going to drop out of the sky and come onto your building site and integrate itself into what you're doing you're going to have to choose that to happen it'll never happen by chance so if we actually take those choices out of an opportunity management focus, very little people do it properly at all. In fact, there's another discipline you might have heard of called value management. Value management is very, very good at looking at good things that might happen. So anyway, we had all these ideas and the survey was sent out. But, but the results of the survey clearly show, to me anyway, that we should stop calling the process risk management as threats and opportunities. We should call it risk and opportunity. And we should potentially look at other ways of managing opportunities by using other techniques. And that's where the world of value management and value engineering can help. 
because um, what's also apparent from my own working practice, and it also came out in the survey, if I asked 10 people in a room, tell me what, tell me the risks on the project, they will all, make, all automatically think of bad things. And if I said, okay, now think of good things that might happen, they'll find it very difficult because your mindset is in the negative way. If I said to, but if I started afresh and literally came in and gave you all uh, a yellow baseball cap, if you've ever heard of Edward de Bono's six thinking hats, think happy, think sunshine. Now, before you say anything else, think of good things that might happen, you'll do it. And what I'm suggesting there is the processes need separating. Now, that's a bit of a personal opinion, but that also comes out in the case study. If we change the terminology of the way we talk about risk, how would this impact on the delivery of the project? Would it be more successful? The terminology is, is already changed, so I won't name any names, but there are me- most of the cor- big corporate members of APM actually use the term risk and opportunity. But what I would also suggest is I'm absolutely an advocate for looking at the good things that might happen or even the choices that you could do to make things better and not ignoring them. But my practitioner view now is if you try and throw that in with the bad things that might happen, you probably do a bad job of both. What should you be doing instead as a project professional? What I think, and others like me agree, is you have a risk management effort, risk management process, which focuses on the bad things that might happen. And you have an opportunity management process that could be facilitated, administered, governed by the same group, but you separate the two and really go about the opportunity management in a more using techniques and facilitation skills that are more akin to what I've mentioned before, what value management would look at. Are you suggesting that on a project as much attention should be given to the opportunities, and I'm thinking of those as the positive side of things, as to the risks and the the threats? And and if... And if so, would that then shift the mindset or the energy on a project towards the more positive? I don't want to just think of projects as purely as costing money and and, uh, taking time, but all projects do have a budget. When things go wrong, they can go very, very wrong. So something can cost twice as much as you anticipated or take twice as long it's very unlikely for something to cost half as much as you thought it was going to be or take half as long. So what that's what I mean by that is the it's a skew the term we use is a skewed distribution. Things can get a lot worse than they can get than on the contrary they can get a lot better. So that's one of the dilemmas. Do we spend time trying to find the little things that might happen when there's a lot more bigger things out there that if they happen could destroy the project. So there is that dilemma. So should you put as much effort in? And the answer therefore is probably not, but don't ignore it because there might be using a, a metaphor, some low hanging fruit somewhere that you can pick and get, but, but putting the same amount of effort in probably not, but also what tends to happen in projects and you will be aware the projects go through a life cycle 
and a certain point in that life cycle, the project gets signed off. And it doesn't matter if this is a, an agile or an iterative life cycle. There's a point where we can decide to spend some money because we've got something we're going to do. What tends to happen is psychologically, and you might have heard the term optimism bias, all the good things that might happen tend to be put into our baseline. It's like saying it's going to be a sunny day every day. We assume, but it's not. And all the good things, we might be able to get that a little bit cheaper, so we put that in a base case. And that happens a lot, especially when people want to get their project to go ahead for some reason. They've got to meet a hurdle of it's got to cost less than this, so it's got to be done in a shorter time than that or something. Which means if you've built in all those opportunities, and this is borne out in the research that people do opportunity management right at the beginning, then things can only get worse. You know, if, if you put a plan together and it doesn't matter what it is, a schedule together, and it's and it's based on um, eight hours productivity every day, doesn't matter what you're doing, it being a sunny day every day, uh, all equipment arriving on time, um, all IT code working first time, and people do that, then it, can, it can't get better. Than, and that's part of the dilemmas with opportunity management. We do it and we... We grasp it too early. So what's your advice about mitigating that kind of optimism bias or our natural proclivity towards opportunities? Understanding that you're doing it is one thing. But what also then can overcome that, if you do end up doing, and again, you might have heard the term quantitative risk analysis where you do simulation models, then that exposes that. That will expose the fact that everything's very optimistic. But be aware you're doing it and maybe thinking, just think it might not be a sunny day every day. A lot of that also comes down to, and another word that gets used in risk management, even though it's a commonly used term, is, is assumptions. You know, what are we assuming? And you know, you could say we it might be sunny every day, or and that's fine, but are you assuming it's going to be sunny every day? And if you are, then it can only get worse. So sometimes think of what how what are you assuming and whether you're over assuming things because it's the assumptions of the good things in that sense. What do you think needs to change about the way the project profession views risk management in the context you know of what we've been discussing? Well, I think it's always been it's been high on the agenda of project, the project management profession since since I joined it, and uh, it's always been there. And if you look at any of the sort of surveys that come up with, you know, why do projects fail? Nine out of ten, the ten of those will say ineffective or inadequate risk management. So it's important, but it's obvious that people still don't do it as well as it could be done. Now, that's a generalisation. And so, and I think it would be fair to say most, and if more than 51% or even 80% of organisations don't do it as well as it could be done. But some do it very well. I won't name any names. There's some who have, have I think, have cracked it. But the, but the other organisations need, need to just focus on it and take the hit. Because one of the problems with doing risk management is it doesn't, always give you the answer you want what i mean by that is someone's got this great idea to do a to 
for a project that's going to deliver a change that's really needed and then says, well, hang on a minute, let's do a risk assessment. And you do look at all the risks and you come up with all these things and it's now it's gloom and doom. You know, we, we, no, we, we were happy till you said that. And if you then do a quantitative risk analysis, it might come up with, well, you've only got a 10% chance of achieving what you've just told the world you're going to achieve. So it's often the bringer of bad news. And so people, some people don't like it for that very reason. Um, it also takes time. It costs money. Um, and it's it requires a, a level of understanding that some people don't really appreciate. Um, it isn't as natural as some people think it is. And it needs constantly to be looked at but at that point i always think it's it's um you know the health health and safety in many arenas of project management is absolutely paramount i wouldn't say that's been using a phrase you used earlier cracked completely but that's really taken seriously and that's an element of risk management it's what's what is the chance that someone might get hurt or worse and and the consequences of that Organisations take that really seriously. But when it comes to money and time and benefits, it doesn't always get taken seriously because it's not your money. I bet you don't miss many flights for your holiday or miss trains or go over budget, when too far over budget when it comes to a home project. Most people don't. Some do, there's always outliers. But if you take personal projects and how successful they are compared with wider projects, it appears that we do a better job of managing our own than it does for managing others. And in fact, one organisation I work with says you should spend the money as if it's your own. Will data analytics or AI bear fruit for risk management? Is it something you regard as helpful in doing risk management? Yes, it has to. People find it more difficult to refute data. It's just a lot of AI is about big data. If you use the right technology and you've promised someone you're going to deliver your project for a certain budget in a certain amount of time and the AI says no, that's impossible and, and, and what it'd be based on is it's impossible because we've found... 4,000 other projects that have similarities and none of those achieved in that time. And there are software tools, I won't mention the names, that actually do that at the moment who allow you to look at your schedule and compare it with thousands of others and they'll tell you how risky it is. Um, and that's really, it's not AI in because it doesn't learn, but it's it's AI in the terms that it's, it's sucking on lots of data. So I think it will improve things. What are the key findings from four decades of experience when it comes to risk management that, that you'd like listeners to take away, particularly for those people who are kind of fresher to the profession? Take it seriously. And, and any plan that you put together, and plan with a big P, so I'm in that sense I'm talking about a schedule, a cost estimate, a contracting plan, communication plan, whatever you put together should take into account things that might happen that if they did could impact what you're trying to achieve. 
So take it take it seriously and always consider what might happen to, to, to affect this. Immediately that will make people think negatively because that's the way we talk. And um, earlier on you actually said something about how do we mitigate this. Mitigate is a negative word. It's a word that pervades risk management. In APM's term, we, in the APM body of knowledge, we use the term response because you can't mitigate an upside risk. Because that's an oxymoron in that sense. You, know, you don't want to reduce an upside risk. Going back to going back to what you actually said, I would, you know, take it seriously, and, but also make it happen to the point where senior management want it. Um, many years ago, when I was working with David Hilson and Ruth Murray Webster for a company we all worked at together, we worked with some big companies that actually no longer exist in name but they do as part of other big organizations. And we worked with them. And to make risk management work in those organizations, it needed to be pulled. And what I mean by that is senior management needed to want it. And they needed to want it by always asking questions. We want to bid for some work. Well, what are the risks? Uh, oh, we're a client. We want to go ahead with this, but what are the risks? They, they, they ask rather than it being bottom up. So risk management needs to come be demanded from the top and supported from the bottom. It needs, the term we often use, is a champion in the organisation. Have you got any advice to senior project professionals who would like to influence senior leadership within an organisation so that they appreciate how serious risk management should be taken? So you're trying to create a champion within the broader organisation who is able to place more emphasis and legitimacy on the importance of risk management within that organization in some organizations they do have a, a cro chief risk officer that's not as uncommon or it sits somewhere under finance which i don't always think that's a good place but some organizations already recognize this but part of allowing risk management to influence the c-suite is they have to also have to take project management seriously and and recognize what that is delivering and the change it brings about but um i think it's it, it does need a, a very special person to do that someone who who is charismatic it, you, you can't just get i wouldn't say not everybody can do it but it does take a certain person because you have to build a story and you have to make people understand the consequences of failure and uh, also understand how much and you might have heard the term how much risk they can tolerate, what is their attitude towards risk. So it, it, it builds up into the, the, the cost of failure. If, if, but it has to have a, an outcome that people really want to achieve. And so the influence will come from, it has to be understood at the C-suite level. I don't think you can come necessarily to them and make it, you know, open the door and fly in and say, you've got to consider the risks. They've also got to realise how important it is to deliver whatever they're delivering. And I, I think the big organisations do that now. And, and the government even mandates it. Since since um, Nick Smallwood, who I knew from Shell, has got into, the, into IPA, he's changed things dramatically and made it more palatable in that sense. So I don't think there is, as I said, a silver bullet on how you can make it happen, but you have to emphasise you know, and find out what, what, what happens if we fail in this 
And one way of preventing failure is making sure that you understand what's realistic at the beginning that takes into account in the risk. And then when you enter into the delivery of the project, making sure that you stop those risks delaying you or having a detrimental effect. One thing about risk management is about making good decisions in, in projects. So, so when you tell someone this project is going to take so long and cost so much and deliver these benefits, that should be, risk should be factored into that to try and take away some of that optimism bias. Um, but then once you've told everybody it's going to be delivered in this time frame for this budget, at this performance and deliver these benefits or whatever, then you use risk management to protect it. And that's what risk management does. And it's it, it, if you think about it, the two, setting the baseline, if you like, and then ensuring you meet the baseline. And then if you can make people, the C-suite understand that, then I think it'll work. It, typically, when are these risks assessed or considered in a business case, are they right from the very start? That's the theory. Does that happen in practice? The organisations that I have worked for and work with, when they put a business case together, they will always include in it the major risks and they'd all be negative. So in the business case, and then as you go through in APMs, like our life cycle through the definition phase and develop your project management plan, then there would be an intense understanding of the risks a risk register would be put in place and then the plans that are produced at the end of the definition phase should all take into account the risks that have been identified and where relevant responded to i worked many years ago for bp and they actually said the prime role of a project manager was as a risk manager risk manager because if everything's going to plan you have nothing to do it's only the things that might happen that will cause you to deviate from the plan or any things that go wrong that you need to worry about. So you work the plan. So the prime role of a project manager is to manage the things that might happen which will cause that deviation. Now, that's a very high-level, broad statement, and a lot of people might not agree with that. But when you think about it, you can, put your, you can sit behind your desk with your feet up if everything's going to plan. Someone says, we just found out this might happen, or we're going to go and do something about that. There. Or, using APM's language, something has gone badly wrong, and we have an issue which we can't ignore because we've looked outside of our tolerances or something's gone wrong. Is there anything you'd like to add or any other points of advice you'd like to pass on when it comes to risk management? Well, I would like to, everybody, please have a look at the, the survey report and it, it comes out. Um, it may change the language, and I know that there are people in APM willing to think about that. And there's a new body of knowledge coming out uh, in the not too distant future that may bear that in mind. But um, there's a lot out there about, about risk management. It's not difficult to do. Um, practice it. Do it. It's an integral part of project management. Have a go and make sure your plans are risk-based. But it's been fantastic talking to you. Thank you so much. Just mentioned to listeners that the report will be published by APM in the autumn. So very much looking forward to for everyone to get hold of a copy. So thanks so much again, Peter. Thank you. Thank you. 
Thanks again to Peter for joining us and to you for listening to the APM podcast. Don't forget to look out for more episodes or to rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. We'd welcome you to get in touch with your comments, feedback and suggestions by emailing us at apmpodcast at thinkpublishing.co.uk. This podcast has been brought to you by APM, the chartered body for the project profession. For more information on APM, visit apm.org.uk.